a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another special edition right here live on Twitter, on Twitch, and on the Facebook page for WW Network. I'm Sean Garman here with me. We are here to talk about a 2 0 win for the United States over Jamaica. And Eric, it took a little bit. It wasn't something that happened like right off the bat. Well, I mean, it, it, it could have. It could have. But it, um, after that moment, things kind of settled in. But the second half, once again, it seems like the U.S. is a second half team. Every goal in this World Cup qualifying has been in the second half, Eric. All, all of those goals. <laughs> Starting off with. Headlines, like what do you feel like big headline for you coming out of? Uh, my biggest one, breathing a sigh of relief. Yes, what is CONCACAF World Cup qualifying without a moment of controversy, which we'll get to in a little bit, I'm sure, but seeing Ricardo Pepe, your boy, putting in more work, everything flowing just the right way in the second half, getting that result, breathing a sigh of relief. It's like, okay. We got these points that we were really looking for. Everything is as expected. Everybody can take a breath. I agree with you about taking a breath, about the feeling good about it. I think what mm-hmm. I felt the best about was this finally felt like you had command. Oh, yeah. You didn't, you didn't feel worried about it. Uh, I never was. I mean, the couple of chances that Jamaica had, I mean, uh, a shot that from like, you know, 25 yards out that was wide, a header that went far, 
Matt Turner kind of jumped for the picture, looked like. But for the most part, it was, you know, from the minute go, they were very direct. Paul Ariola, 20 seconds in, could have had a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. I think we could talk about that in a little bit, about the, the, uh, the rookie referee, basically. But that's what I like. I like that it felt comfortable. It felt like mm-hmm. with the the formation that was put out there by Greg Berhalter, everybody was in a position that made sense. Uh, there was no glaring, oh, my God, why is this guy playing? Even, you know, Paul Ariola himself, who, you know, we always kind of talk about, and you as a D fan uh, know him well. You know, you there know was a DC did. moment. There yeah. was a DC moment, though. But Yeah, there was definitely a DC moment, but it's uh, – is the positive of Paul Ariola, I think, came out more than uh, some of the negatives of... Oh, yeah. The dude is just direct. He runs. He doesn't stop running. He gets into the right channels. He takes guys uh, with him if he has to. And I, this is what that felt like. This this whole group of being able to just get out there and take it to them. Um, for me, one of the... And it's, it's great to see it in his first game. Uh, really, in this World Cup qualifier, uh, this whole this, the rounds of this Yunus uh, Musa man, I talked about Whoa, him in the in the preview. He was fantastic uh, on this game. I mean, he the that first goal, his run that he makes is the one that kickstarts it all uh, and gets it over to Sergio Dest. I thought had a one of the much better games in a U.S. men's national team colors uh, to cross it over to Ricardo Pepe for the. First goal, which credit to him going low, going a little bit low for that header and then still being able to put it in. That's not something anybody can just do. And him knowing exactly where to be and, and being popping in there for that header, that's, uh, that's great to see for him for that second goal or for that, you know, second goal in two games at that point. He later on gets a third, uh, which is the same, similar thing. Anthony Robinson on the left over to Brendan Aronson, almost like a, give back from the Honduras game where, you know, it was Pepe giving it to Aronson. This time it was Aronson giving it to Pepe for that second goal, um, you know, and and then it continued, Eric. I mean, it wasn't just uh, those two. When Pepe and Aronson came off and you got Weya and Jossie Zardes, Weya set one up for Jossie the same, in a similar way. Jossie wasn't able to get in because it came a little bit too quick for him. But I that's the positivity that I'm talking about, the confidence I'm talking about. Even when you put in the subs, mm-hmm. it's like they don't miss a beat at all. And they kept going, kept doing the same thing. Now, obviously, it helps that you're playing a team um, in Jamaica that's that's missing two of its biggest stars uh, up front that are make it to where you're not as worried about them, right? You're when you're when you're talking about a guy that's in super fire form like uh, like Antonio, and then also no Leon Bailey as well. I mean, that's that's two guys that are very key, and I feel bad for. Um, the coach who has to keep kind of playing with not his ideal team and then, you know, suffering for that. Obviously, you're playing the U.S. It's always going to be hard. But when you're not playing with the guys, you it's it's not the same. But, I mean, like, who else to you was, uh, was a standout? In it? Well, you really covered it, especially what I liked with Moosing, as you said, that direct one. Now, I got to give a little extra credit to Sergio Dest because all the times that we have mentioned great going forward, great going forward, great going forward, as we saw with that first goal, when it came time to really making sure everything was solidified at the back, helping to keep that possession, which early on the U.S. was fantastic at, we were keeping it at a rate of 
65, 70%. Like, okay, we take time, even though, as you said, Jamaica was out there really top two guys up front. Let's not give them anything too much early. Keep cool. If there is something, all right, he helps facilitate switching to quick counters. So, overall, I was thoroughly impressed. Yeah, I, um, I'd agree with that. When you're talking about defense. You know, we, we've mentioned two Robins before. They did what they had to do. For me, with the, the standout, the guy that, you know, we, we've seen him. It, uh, we didn't get to see him much in the Gold Cup because he got hurt, right? So, but Walker Zimmerman is a guy that steps into a role, plays alongside Miles Robinson well for me. Uh, didn't you know? Didn't cause you any problems. Didn't have any moments where mm-hmm. you worry about him. And he can also come up and be a force on the set piece. You know, the U.S. didn't really have a lot of those, and that's actually positive. Like, uh, you know, he can do both those. But it's it's again like I like the fact that. Once again, we're talking about MLS guys coming in, stepping up, and making it hard for Bert Berhalter to have to then make decisions. You know, he didn't even get a replacement in for John Brooks yet. And once again, somebody besides John Brooks plays, and guess what? They play they play decent or they play well. You know, and, and that's, for me, I really, really just enjoying this about um, this this young team. They're just stepping up and understanding, okay, we all, we have our role. Let's play them. And then credit to Berhalter for not trying to just be cute, like, oh, we're going to try to play a Tyler Adams at right back, and we're going to play Serginio Dust at left back, and we're going to play Brendan Aronson at the A and have him try to do too many things. Like, everybody is is playing where you would feel like it. And now I, I feel like he has some, again, just one game, right? There's still two more oh, yeah. games to go, and you got a very important one on Sunday, perhaps your toughest one of the entire uh, set of three to go to Panama and then play in Panama. That's a, that's a difficult task right there. Um, just the way that that whole stadium, you thought El Salvador and Honduras were bad. Uh, wait till, you know, you get down to there and how that is. Um, we'll talk about Panama in a little bit because they, they went through a little bit of a shock themselves uh, with what happened today. But you know, I think for the most part, Eric, I mean, you have your, your front, you at least you have two front players that you feel mm-hmm. like right now. I can't Absolutely. take those guys off. I can't no. take them off. Yeah, it's just like, all right, the way that they went together, Pepe's just proving like saying, hey, you need me. I am a beast right there, especially inside the 18th. Like, you have at least for this particular window, you have a good core that you really don't want to mess with, now it's just, all right, who can you rotate to really step up, make sure you get certain people minutes in these positions, knowing that you're trying to still get that good result with one more to go after that. So it's a different sort of a juggling act, but now with a much better basis to try to get everything juggled. Yeah, no, certainly. And that's the thing is, like you said, they work well off each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of both of them were kind of a microcosm of that first half where the U.S. obviously had a possession. They didn't play badly. This wasn't, you know, the uh, what we saw in Honduras. It was just players trying to figure out uh, how, how are we going to get through. Yeah. We saw Jamaica start kind of growing into the game as well. And then it's Aronson just kind of doing some, like, oh, let's just go in and take some pot shots. And it's just like, that's not, 
what we're trying, you know, that seems kind of counter into trying to do to what you're doing from the start. And then Pepe doesn't, he wasn't, he was trying to find the game. He couldn't get into it. He, he wasn't really involved much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like, you know, I thought Weston McKinney had a, a decent game. Uh, he was very active, like um, at least on the flanks. But I, I felt like at the beginning, because you have so much, right? So many new, so much new in there between Musa, McKinney, Adams, Aronson. It was just like Ariola too. Like, where do we all fit in here? Where are we supposed yeah. to be? Where know? do we fit? Where are we supposed to be? And where's the best ways it can go? Because trying like some of those paths up the middle didn't necessarily work right away. Then you had, you know, right along 12th, 13th minute, like I was saying, the DC moment with Ariola. More of the play was up wide. And what to me it looked like not the optimal cross, but if you know that you have your guy going to be in the right position, that's at least a half chance. Ariola, bit of an overrun, seen that before. But after that, it was like, okay, they took those first two minutes or so with those chances and says, all right, now we know this works. Now we can go ahead and try building up to set that up again. But Jamaica was also like, okay, now we know what they're trying to do. We need to close down in those areas as well. And then it became a little bit of a counterattacking fest. Somebody was trying to set someone else up off guard. After that, and then the end of the first half is like, okay, everybody settled a bit more tactical. Yeah, certainly they picked it up in the, the second half again, coming off a counter, great move to, to get that going. And, um, and it was really started by Sunio Dest and then got all of that going in there and get it back to Sunio Dest again. Um, you know, he's at his best, like we talked about, going forward and able to accomplish that uh, mm-hmm. here in this game again. Let's see what happens against, uh, I think Panama to me is a much better test of have they actually grasped it? Because listen, again, like Nicholson's been as good as you can expect them to be in Jamaica. He's gotten goals when you don't expect it. Um, they weren't able to get a goal in this game, but they, in in every, all the other games, uh, they were able to get goals, right? Um, and against Mm -hmm. Mexico, when you figured, oh, it's going to be the same thing. Mexico's just going to stroll to a comfortable win and they made it hard for them. Obviously, as we'll talk about, because I watched a lot of that Mexico Canada game as well, much much different looking Mexico now when you have all your stars, uh, which they didn't have in the last window. But again, for Jamaica having the team that they have and missing uh, several players, um, they still have tried. I think this is the first game where it really looked they really looked, you know, at a different level. And you know, credit to to their coach for at least keeping it. I mean, they were never far away, and I thought. No. In that last 10 minutes, they had opportunities that um, had that, you know, some of that gone the right way. And they were talking about a 2 1 and making it interesting, but they just uh, they just weren't able to. And I think the U.S. just had better control of things at that point. And that's the positive, I think, for me. Okay, you're missing Ryder Pulisic. You're missing a Gio Reyna. Uh, you're missing some other players. And you still went out there and you still performed and performed well, right? And that's yeah. showing more to that depth the team. Right. Has. So where we're not just reliant on these three or four big names, and if we don't have one or two, we collapse. And these were the things we were speaking about, how you organize that depth to get these results just like this. And that's why I say, hey, 
to breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief because this was something we were looking for. We knew this had to be the point. They figured it out, and it was. So it's like, okay, all of the panic that you had from Sip, you can take some of it away at the very least. So just a few questions for you, Eric, of some, you know, moments. And obviously that first one, 20 seconds in, Kamar Lawrence takes down Paul Ariola uh, right there, uh, close to the box. A denial of a goal scoring opportunity. Should it have been a red card? Is there a, such a thing as it's way too early? I don't I mean, think so. Because that completely changes the game, right? It, it, it does. And I admit, 20 seconds in, ideally you shouldn't have that big moment. But for something like that, irregard to when it happens, dog so is dog so. And seeing that and seeing the plays, yes, I thought it should have been a red. I would have been very unfortunate, but if you're going like that and then we saw it again, just some minutes later, still early on, and you're calling it with these things, then you go ahead and you have to give a red. You can't have too much of an in-between in that situation. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, but that's the thing where you don't have VAR, right? Mm -hmm. And that's that's my biggest problem is you're going to bring in basically a rookie ref from Granada. Yep. His first big game that he's a World Cup qualifier. And you're seeing Jamaica players and even U.S. players rushing him, and he's having to like back away and go to the end line and or to go to the to back on the touch line and having to figure out what he's you know. And it's like Concacaf, who made this mm-hmm. not have something that almost every other league, every other your own leagues in your own freaking Concacaf Liga MX and MLS. Why yeah. was this decision made? To make it harder for these refs, where you already get enough problems. You do. Conca calf. Oh, you you conca calfed it. You messed it up. Like you don't need to make it harder on the ref. No, because first of all, especially with him, you could tell in that moment he was overwhelmed. You could tell even after 10, 15 minutes, he was still a little bit overwhelmed. And yes, for those who argue, oh, well, resources in. Panama or resources in Honduras and El Salvador to where your stadiums aren't the best and all that. I get that, but if you're organizing these things, you know where and when these matches will be hosted, at least for the first part. Why could you, some sort of pool, some sort of investment, somehow say, okay, we're going to offer and we're going to give everything you to where at every CONCACAF stadium. You're going to have this technology. You're going to have these facilities so we can have far. Definitely drop the ball. Yeah, Fonty, uh, good to see you. But, um, you know, that's my <clears throat> my my thing. Was just like It doesn't make sense. And then when you get it into the second one, Brandon Aronson, like 30, uh, 30 second minute around there, right? It's it's worse. Is he's right on that that line, right? Where it's it was clearly outside the box. But it's still, like, that's another, is it a novel goal-scoring opportunity? And it's, like, he's too scared at that point. You can tell. You can see it in his face. You see it's mortified of having make a decision, and he kind of just, all right, let me just do the one that maybe won't be make everybody happy, but I'm going to do the one that, okay, you can't really, you know, argue. At least he got a card. Right? So he got another yellow card. And thankfully, he really didn't have another uh, big moment like that in the game. But mm-hmm. It's just, this is what VAR is there to prevent, to help prevent things like that. So you get it clear and make that decision. And you say, look, 
I went to the video screen and I made my decision. Whether you stick with your original decision or you don't, that's what that's for. And it's just, it's ridiculous to me because it's like, what's the point of not having it, right? Yeah. And Casey Keller even proves it that at halftime, even with that incident, you saw on the replay, oh, he got a piece of the ball, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. You would then, with VAR, be able to go back and say, all right, however that would work, but it wouldn't even necessarily have been a foul because the defender made contact with the ball. But you still go ahead and call a foul, but by nature of the foul, you go ahead and you have a yellow, but if it was a foul in that situation, why don't you immediately argue or even consider dog soap, which would have been another red? That situation was a bit confusing, and I get it. Looking at that, I can't confess that I would make the perfect choice in the engine, so he still completely understand. But like you said, this is where VAR would have come in. And with something like that, it's like, okay, second set of eyes and seeing it's not a foul, it's gone, it's what have you. Life goes on and you're not risking getting bum rushed again. Yeah, no, it just, it doesn't make, it make, doesn't make me, and I mean, I'm, it feels like we're just waiting for that moment, right? Where there is something that, oh man, this got totally wrong and then you can't mm-hmm. go back, right? And what mm-hmm. if it does cost somebody um, their spot or or points or whatever? And like that's that's a problem, right? So I don't understand because you're going to use it the World Cup anyway. It's of not course. like oh well now they're not going to use it the World Cup and then you guys were the first ones to go. Oh, we went back to the old. It's like no, it's just more concrete. So yeah, they're building you know, the stadium. They've got VAR in mind already in Qatar. You're going to have it. It's there. And I mean, like another question I have is, I get it. I totally get that this is a three round three round tournament basic. And mm-hmm. you gotta save players' minutes, but take off Ricardo Pepe in the fourth minute when he's almost on a hat trick. Like, shouldn't you I'm, at least give him at least 10 more minutes? Yeah, maybe you know? 75th, 80th, and then if he doesn't get it by then, it's like, all right, you tried. Last 10 minutes, it's in the bag. Come on, gotta match the call. Yeah, I, I just wonder if that chance by way of he and not. It obviously was a really fast ball coming as artists, and that was kind of his first like big mm-hmm. movement, uh, you know. But I wonder if I wonder if he would have been able to get that one, get that third goal if that was if that was him. But I, you know, I I think for the most part, you really can't. Be, there's not much you can really be upset about. No. Again, there it was a very comfortable one. It was what you want to playing. What is supposed to be competition that you are to feel like you win against that you are supposed to be better than, right? And that talent mm-hmm. is supposed to go in and make those opportunities count, and they did that in this game. And I don't know that there's much more you could uh, really hope for. And, and as as uh, as Greg Berhalter said after the game, he's like, we're on this Ricardo Pepe train. Right? We're <laughs> on the Ricardo Pepe train. Let's see how far it takes uh, as, as far as the U.S. goes. And so we got this big game against uh, Panama coming up on Sunday. Of course, we'll have a show. Probably, you know, we won't have it as late as we're doing this one, but we'll still have it um, around the 10 or 10.30 time frame. Um, and then we'll have our regular show as well, talking about uh, some big, well, we'll obviously have to talk about the, the final. But, man, we had two big, uh, cha- you know, nations, Yepi-Yates nation uh, games. History. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, there was some big, I mean, crazy to think, like, two stunners. 
Um, you're still getting two like classic teams in that final, but teams that I think, um, you know, based on based on the form, you know, you would have thought it was going to be the two losers that mm-hmm. would have got in. So uh, interesting how how that uh, worked uh, when that when we get to that. But yeah, I credit to Greg Berhalter, credit to the players for going out there and and doing what what they're supposed to do and and putting on a a good show and making things look good. And we'll see. We'll see where that confidence goes uh, when you go down to Panama because we'll talk about this game first since it directly relates to what we just talked about. Panama lose in El Salvador, 1-0. The last 10 minutes was nuts. Panama and El Salvador fighting, basically, uh, because El Salvador was going in a total time-wasting mode, kicking the ball every time there was a free kick. And all that. And they, they literally got into almost blows. Uh, Ugo Perez got a yellow card because he grabbed the ball when it went out one time and held it there. <laughs> and uh, it was nuts. They gave him like five minutes of, of extra time when they're already in the 91st minute and then they didn't even go to, uh, 95 minutes. Like, it's just more concacafing stuff. Uh, but, I mean, and Panama was trying. I mean, they were doing everything they could to at least get the draw there. Uh, I mean, obviously, Panama much more talented than El Salvador. And credit to El Salvador for hanging on and getting a big win because that gives them five points now. They're level with Panama right there um, in that fourth slot. So, like, it's crazy how that one result can change everything. And considering how everything else went, you know, U.S. now sits at the top thanks to the goal difference from this game, obviously, and then, you know, from uh, the Honduras game as well. And then, you know, you've got the two other teams that played each other that we'll get to. And I El Salvador getting that win, putting themselves right there with Panama. So that's positive for El Salvador to get that big win at home. Huge win at home. And this is something that you could say, oh, this is the jolt that they needed at yada yada. Maybe they're not going to go on in this big tear, but they can look at this and say, hey, we're able in our house to go get a big scout. Let's not just go ahead, pack everything in, be sort of middling, what have you. No, we know we can do this. Let's keep this challenge for the sports spot at least. Something going. Put a scare into the other team's region and let them know, hey, we're still around in some way. Yeah, no. And uh, like that's something we didn't see with Costa Rica and Honduras. They had a nil-nil. Another one of the, I mean, Costa Rica's not been looking impressive as far as when it comes to scoring goals. Uh, they have not, I mean, Honduras, honestly, as well, have not really been uh, putting themselves on the score sheet either. Their 1-1 draw against Canada with a penalty. Uh, so and we saw what happened with the U.S. They have just very, very, uh, both of them have been very poor, uh, honestly. And those are two of the big, when you think about CONCAT, those are the two of the bigger teams, right? The, the two of the more formidable, supposed to be formidable teams, and they certainly are not. Uh, proving that here in this octagonal so far. They, they, I mean, they both get a point, which is obviously helpful for both teams, but they're still kind of just meandering along, uh, both Costa Rica and uh, Honduras. And sometimes you could I almost feel unfortunate for Jamaica because I feel like they've done a lot more than, than both of those mm-hmm. teams. So, yeah, and, it, at least with Jamaica, you're potentially starting to see, even though there's still only just a couple of windows left, you're starting to see, hey, there's some sort of upside, and you can at least make some sort of charge. Costa Rica and Honduras, it's like the walking. It's like, yeah, we know, hey, in theory, we're supposed to be able to do something, but we're just not. 
were present, were making up the numbers, were playing, but we have nothing to show to where we're as formidable as we are. And I mean, that's even with Honduras having like most of the possession and everything. I mean, Costa Rica was uh, fouling a lot and this thing as well. Uh, but that's that's typical CONCACAF. We're going to get in, in a Central America against Central America game, and you're going to have that kind of dirty play um, at times. But, I mean, you're talking about the teams that are now sitting in 6th and 7th right now in the standings if it ended today um, because they're just going around and just nicking points. Uh, they're not really, to me, doing what you would expect them to get get the full three from anyone uh, right now. And that being said, I left the... Uh, you know, one of the more thrilling ones for last, the big, when you talk about the marquee matchup of this round, of round four, it was Canada going down to Mexico to play in Azteca the first time they were going to have fans during the World Cup qualifying cycle uh, in Mexico. And then not only that, but the return of Raul the Mexican, and the return of El Chucky Lozano as well. Uh, so... You know, and, and we saw both of their presence were felt here. Raul was very instrumental on the on the goal uh, to, um, uh, as well. And then with a, a crazy pass to Jorge Sanchez of all all players, the right back, to get the, the goal on their end. And then Jonathan Osorio on the other side for um, Canada with a, a wonderful finish uh, to get that, yeah. that tying goal. This is the first time I've really seen and and this is why I think it's interesting to know because you had two teams that don't necessarily have I would say they have some key defenders mm-hmm. right but they don't have an entire line of defenders you're saying okay no. they scare me right um you have Edson Alvarez for uh for Mexico and Gallardo's great at going forward but they're vulnerable especially the right back for Mexico and then also just a lot of that line for Canada as well. And you saw they were scared of Alfonso Davies and Tayshaun Bouquet. And credit to John Herman, though. He started both of them uh, from the get-go. He started his first team. He didn't just, oh, ah, yeah. uh, well, let's just kind of you know, play who we can. So we get the point. If not, oh, well, we got some well, other teams he, we know we can. Yeah, and one-on-one is just felt so appropriate because even if that, those last 15, 20 minutes, was it the severity of some of these other Central American games? No, but you saw a lot of that chippiness and a lot more chances going back and forth and some major close calls. This could have easily been a 3-2 game either way. The way that the flurries were coming, it's like, all right, this is Canada. They're being serious. It's like, watch out. Uh, Robert, we're watching We're watching the wrong show. I'll have to make that an appearance Wednesday. on the kickoff at some point. That's Wednesday. But, uh, no, uh, thank you, Robert, for just watching us here. Um, but, I mean, either way, I, I feel like Mexico just, they, this is not, this is not a good result. For you're no. in Azteca, the first time you're playing with fans, and you have a 1-1 result. You needed to get the three points. Tata Martino's probably going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of crap from the media after this. I haven't watched the press conference. I'm pretty sure he's going to get a lot of questions. Even I think it's the line. He just looked mad, flat out mad. Yeah, I don't blame yeah, because he knows. I, I mean, yeah. it's the thing is that like they got. I mean, but that's the thing that people need to realize, right? This is a different Canada team. Yeah, this is no not. Fight. This is not the Canada team of years ago where you're going like, oh man, this is this is like a to 
Grenada, or this is like losing to one of the Caribbean countries or whatever. This is Canada is a don't don't just sit there and and think that you're gonna get by Canada. Alfonso Davis, Tayshawn Buchanan, Jonathan David, that is a formidable front line. That is a dangerous front line when you're talking about where all three I mean, obviously Buchanan plays in MLS, but he plays for the best MLS team uh, going mm-hmm. right now. And then, you know, you're looking at uh, an Alfonso Davis who plays in Bayern. And then, you know, Jonathan David plays at Leo and he's he's coming off a good form. Obviously, he didn't get to, you know, have a goal in this one. But when you look at all their other players, at least when you go talk midfield going forward, that's a formidable team. And, yeah. you know, Mexico, again, for me, like, just, uh, I feel like they were missing something in the middle of the park um, there. The frontline guys are fantastic. I thought Raul Jimenez coming back gave them a lot of life. He was very active in the game. Uh, whether he, he was going to the left or he was playing more uh, central, involved in play, getting guys involved. You know, it just Mexico looks good. They look better than having Funes Mori up there. But I don't, I don't know that you can really. I mean, look, you're Mexico, right? You expect mm-hmm. to win everything. But honestly, if and I know you're at home. But the U.S. went through this as well. But I don't think this is kind of like the U.S. where Canada didn't sit back for the first no, half didn't. of that game like they did for this one. They went at him and they almost uh, caught him off guard in like the first couple of And then Mexico were able to kind of settle in. But they, like the U.S. went through this too. They lost 1-0 at home. Canada is the first. This is the first time Canada has ever done that. They took points away from home to both Mexico and the United States. I mean, that's a big deal. That's 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 a huge win for Canada. This is tremendous. And for all the talk about, oh, your Canadian MLS clubs, the Canadian Premier League slowly starting to hit a bit of a stride, all that's going on, you are seeing, hey, these are the reason why these exist or these clubs are more, more capable, because you're getting more and more of this Canadian talent and playing for Canada. Plus, in the U.S., you were able to do it a bit. With Mexico, they tried to, and Canada is extra dangerous, as you said up front. They have that great emphasis with speed and the right amount of power. We have our own speedy guys, which is why it would be even more impressive in some ways for Canada to get to the U.S., but for some reason, even with the expertise of Tata Marquino and how he set up the defensive midfield, they couldn't immediately counter that speed. It's like, hey, wait a minute. We've seen fast. This is on another level. We've got to adjust to handle this. To their credit, they did. But you had one or two of those early moments go the wrong way. By the time you adjust, you're chasing the game. And Canada's looking at this. It's like, we know what we have to do. We know more how we can play and give other teams fits. Yeah, and then they did that. I mean, there was times where uh, Tejan just absolutely blew by, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Jorge Sanchez or Gallardo or uh, Alfonso Davies as well. Alfonso Davies had a shot uh, late uh, to be able to get one on a breakaway, and he just he kind of messed up on that final pass. It somehow wound up at Jonathan Davies, and they uh, he wasn't able to really go anywhere with it. He kind of wasn't expecting it and didn't really get to you know get in stride or anything, but. Yeah. You know, they had their moments. And, you know, Chuki also had one where he just absolutely, he had he had it all for him to score, like, early on. And he skied it instead of, you know, putting it in the bottom corner. And, you know, that's one that 
you kind of wish you had back if you're thought that, but mm-hmm. that's going to happen. I mean, he's been playing well for Napoli, but coming back and being uh, in a Mexico shirt is a whole deal um, oh, yeah. at Azteca. So, you know, I think, honestly, if you take it out of the context of the fact that you're Mexico and you expect to, to win everything, it's a great result for Canada. It's oh, yeah. not a great result for Mexico, but I don't think it's the end of the world. No. Result. When you look at the other teams that you have, that you have to play against, Honduras, who's been absolutely awful. And then uh, at El Salvador. So, and obviously the El Salvador game is going to be tough. It's, it's tough to play there, but they always have to find a way to get, get the goals. You know, you thought Panama was going to be a game where they were going to get, they were going to drop two points and they didn't. You know, they, they got that goal. So, like with Mexico, I, I don't really necessarily worry about them. This was a game that I feel like you, you don't want to drop the points, but it's not the end of the world. No, I mean, better one point than none in this right. case, because if it were a loss, still not the end of the world, but more of that panic sets in. But it's like, okay, you at least defended your home turf to that extent. Right, I no, I, very good. Yeah. It's not the end of the world, but oh man. Yeah. It's, the media would make it the end of the world if they lost because you're losing at home. Then that's a different deal. If you had gone to Canada and you lose, whatever. Yeah. But if it was being not at Azteca, field, for example, it would be like okay, whatever. The fans and everything at Azteca would have made that a complete story. But again, you're absolutely right. Macrocosm, yeah, a win is optimal, but getting a result, a decent one, you can still do things, but. The perceptions for the media, it's like, eh, they're already looking at this a teeny bit crossways, so. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a round uh, when we get to Sunday. U.S. arguably have probably their toughest game uh, going in on, on Sunday, and then, you know, Mexico have it all to do of being able to erase what that was and be able to put themselves back in the front again of being able to say, okay, you were worried about us. You were saying that, oh man, okay, well, is is Mexico faltering here? And I think they'll be all right. I mean, Canada yeah. has Jamaica. That's another one where they could really, you know, some of the players didn't play in the game here against Mexico because of COVID, uh, like Hoylet, a few others that are going to play in this game. Let's see how they make a difference. Um, and then, honestly, this is a big game for Costa Rica and El Salvador as well. If El Salvador are able to go into Costa Rica and get any, and Costa Rica drops points again, that is, that's bad. Because then you're going and playing the U.S. in another brand spanking, uh, in in another, uh, pro U.S. stadium. Yeah, that's not, not going to be a good look for you. Uh, I'm not going to probably perhaps drop things. Yeah. I wouldn't say that if Costa Rica doesn't at least get a point that, no, no, Costa, Costa Rica, I think for me, that's a must win. So, yeah, and this is my home. point. Because what I'm saying is, if they don't, I'm not going to go full on a limb and say, okay, Los Tipos are done. But realistically, if you don't, and as you say, it's a must win, if you don't get at least something, then following up with a potential shellacking against the U.S., if that happens, then you are done. There's no way back. Yeah. I mean, and if you're the U.S., I don't think you want necessarily a desperate dog coming to your place either. Uh, so if you're the U.S., you probably want them to at least get a point. But, man, 
talk about if El Salvador can go down to Costa and get a, another one of those one millions. That would be El Salvador. Um, so, and then Canada's got Panama as well. So that's going to be an interesting one because, I mean, Panama were probably expecting to at least get a point, if not three, against El Salvador there. They were not expecting that loss. So, man, that game on Sunday is going to be extra spicy uh, because it is, to me, it is Greg Berhalter's toughest test. You're fighting against one of the leaders. You haven't, you already played Canada. You got that one nil draw. It was disappointing at home. You wanted to, you wanted to get the points, whatever. You haven't played Mexico yet. That's in the next nope. round. Yep. Or the next set of, of game. This is your, your, your big game for this three. And this is, uh, the one where you're going to measure him against as to how the team plays. So, uh, you know, you got that look to look forward to for Sunday. Those are some. Interesting games to, to go be able to watch and, and knock down and talk about. We'll obviously be here to talk about them on uh, Sunday as well. We're going to have our regular show. Obviously, going to be talking about that uh, Nations League uh, final, even though, well, I don't know. If, I, if I'm if i still working from home, I might be able to watch it. Uh, but we'll see uh, for sure. But And then also, you know, all the other World Cup qualifying Will be going on, or we'll have we'll have started again. I think it starts again tomorrow for uh, the uh, teams. But yeah, certainly that four games to talk about on Sunday: Panama, U.S. starting at what six o'clock, and then Jamaica, Canada, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Mexico, Honduras. Which you would imagine the Mexico, Honduras is the one that you would think Mexico has that one as well as uh, Canada, Jamaica. You think if they're the leaders, they they have those games. But I guess you never know with CONCACAF, right? You never know. I was just like throwing, throw darts at the board, and it's like, all right, this somehow won things. It can all happen. Oh, as they say, even though it's not an election year, this is ripe for some sort of October surprise. <laughs> Let's just hope the whole October surprise is not Panama going and slacking the U.S. or something. But we'll see what happens on Sunday. Until then. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this special episode of breaking down what's going around in CONCACAF and also the U.S. and Jamaica game. Uh, if you like what you heard, you can go listen to us on any kind of podcast service that there is. Overcast, uh, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TM, whatever. And of course, we had our regular episode um, on Sunday, last uh, on last week. We talked about the NWSL, big deal there. Uh, thank you to everybody that, that watched it on YouTube later and then listened as well, whether you listened on the Last Word feed or you uh, on our feed. And then, of course, Last Word as well, Last Word Radio. Thank you for having us there. Of course, you can watch us on video, YouTube, uh, Twitch. We're live uh, when we do the show. And then, of course, we're also live on the Facebook page. Where you can go like, you can go follow us on Twitch. That would help us a lot. And it can follow W2 Network, at W2 Network on, on Twitter. At Squid Sports Head Eric and at W10 Sean for me. And until Sunday, everybody, keep enjoying that international break. We'll have two shows for you later. Peace! With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.